Bibles this morning out of Luke chapter number 22, verses number 31 and 32 is where we're going to preach from today. Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse number 31, it reads, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want to preach to you on this thought. God spoke to me in prayer when I was praying about what he would have me to preach for this morning service. Jesus sees the sifting. Jesus sees the sifting. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We ask you, Lord, that you'll speak to our heart through your spirit and by the word this morning, anointing our ears to hear and our hearts to receive with meekness the engrafted word that Paul said to Timothy was able to make us wise of the salvation. I ask you, Lord, that you'll look upon every need in every heart today, you'll meet them all through Christ by his riches and glory. Touch us in this altar today. Strengthen us, I pray, by your spirit. Strengthen our faith. Oh, God, enable us and empower us to be able to stand, to be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I believe you brought somebody here today, Lord, to strengthen their faith for the test and the trial that they have been asked to endure. Do that for them today, I pray. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we thank you for it in advance. We ask it to, again in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus sees the sifting. I was praying this week out, just seeking God on what he would have me to speak on for this morning. Service, uh, God drew my heart to these scriptures, and as I began to read them, God spoke to my heart, and he said, I want somebody to know that I see when Satan desires to have them that he might sift them like wheat. Sifting in biblical times were, was a very uh, violent process. The wheat was cut down at the stalk. It was tied in sheaves. It was brought back to the barn or the storehouse. There was a large uh, blanket laid out over the floor where the sheep was then untied. The wheat was stacked there with the stalk and all the chaff attached to it. They would stick a winnowing fork, is what it was called, into the wheat, throw it up in the air, and then they would take that fork, it was a wooden fork, and they would hit the wheat while it was in the air, and there were people standing behind with large fans in their hand. It was creating a, a breeze. Well, the, the grain is actually the heaviest part of the wheat. The grain would actually fall down to the ground, but all the stalk and the, and the little crust around the, the grain, as the fort would beat that loose, the wind would just blow the chaff away, and there would be somebody else there to haul the chaff out when it was through that big pile of what used to be sheaves and stalk and everything was just left of the grain, the kernel of the wheat would be the fruit would be all that was left of the winnowing process but if you look at the sifting process Jesus is, 
is telling Peter, Satan desires to sift you. It's not going to be pleasant. It's going to drive that winnowing fork into you, toss you up in the air, beat you, and you're going to fall. He's going to repeat that over and over and over again. I want to tell you, it feels, when you're being sifted, it feels like the enemy is beating you, pummeling you, destroying you, but that's not really the case. Jesus allows the sifting so that he can allow that fruit. You know, faith is a gift of God, but it's also a fruit of the Spirit. He wants that fruit to remain. He wants that to be what you're known by, our, our faith. That should be what we're known by, Christians. Right. Why are we called Christians? Because of our faith, yeah. our faith in God, our faith in Jesus Christ. When we talk about this sifting process, the first thing the Lord dealt with my heart about is this. Jesus understands our weaknesses. He already knows what's in us. He understands us. In our text in Luke 22 and verses 31 and 32, Jesus is just about to go to the cross. He knew the disciples wouldn't understand the suffering involved with the cross and his dying upon the cross as the Lamb of God. So he begins to warn Peter, in your hour of weakness and confusion, Satan has desired to have you. That he might sift you as wheat. But I'm glad he didn't stop with that one verse. He says, but I have prayed for you. That your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. When Jesus first first met Peter in John chapter number 1 and verse 42. It says that Andrew, Peter's brother, brought him to Jesus. Then it says, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. I looked up the, the, the name Simon it's a derivative of Simeon. And Simeon means to hear. It means God hears or hearkens. And so his name meant that he could hear or God hears or will hearken. And Jonah, of course, being the prophet Jonah, who went in the very opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. When God said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and prophesy against it, Jonah rose up, went down to, to uh, Tarshish, and got on, a, got on a boat. I went down to Joppa, and was boarding a ship to go to Tarshish in the exact opposite direction that God was desiring him to go. So it seems that Peter always had a little bit of trouble hearing and understanding what it was that God was trying to say. And sometimes he was doing things exactly the opposite of what God 
intended him to do. If, if, if you can see that like I can. And when Jesus finds him, that's what he calls him. Simon Barjona. He said, but I'm not going to call you that anymore. I'm going to call you Cephas or Peter, which means a stone. You're going to be a rock of stability, uh, of the faith that is in God. And, but on this occasion, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. He, he knows your areas of weakness. And he desires to exploit you through those weaknesses. But I have prayed for you. I, I want to remind you this morning, Jesus knows what you are. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows where you are in your walk or in your faith with him. I, I like to use myself as an example so people can't say I'm preaching at them. But if I look at myself in the mirror, you see the preacher, but I see Eddie Sullivan. You see this stalwart of, of the faith, this spiritual giant that has passed every test and whipped every devil and won every battle. I see a guy that says, Lord, please, Please don't let me go through that trial because I don't know if I've got strength enough to make it. Please don't allow me to go through that storm because I don't like being on the high seas. I like peace and calm. That's what I see when I look in the mirror. Well, Jesus knows what I am. He knows how strong I am or how weak I am. The Bible said he won't allow us to be tested above that that we're able to bear. I'll get into that. So the first thing is I want you to take comfort in knowing Jesus knows what, what you are, who you are, where you're at in your walk with him, and he understands that. He understands that Satan will try to exploit you in your weakest time, in your weakest area, and take comfort in this. He sees that. He sees you, and he sees what Satan desires to do to you. He sees that. He understands that. And he's praying. Number two, I want you to notice that Satan had to ask permission of God to be able to sift Peter. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you. This is one of the more comforting thoughts to me in all of the scripture. Basically, it's saying that those that belong to Christ are under his care, under his provision, under his protection, and Satan cannot and does not reign in your life. Jesus reigns in your life. Jesus reigns as Lord over my life. We sing about it. We declare it. We rejoice in it. Our God is in control. Satan literally 
would have to ask permission before he would be allowed to sift me. We see that in the life of Job. God had a hedge around Job and Satan had to come before God and God said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you seen Job lately? He said, yeah. You build a hedge about him. You've blessed him so that I can't touch him. But pull down the hedge. He said, will a man serve God for naught? Pull down the hedge and let me take everything he's got and I'll make him curse you to your face. Will a man serve God for nothing? I preached the message a long time ago, thanks for nothing. Meaning, if, if you call what Jesus did on Calvary nothing, then I would say to God, thanks for nothing. That's what a lot of people tell you when they think you haven't done anything for them. Thanks for nothing. Well, if you want to make light of Calvary and call that nothing, well, then I say thanks for nothing. Because he bore stripes for my healing when I was sick. He shed his blood to pardon my transgression and to save me and to redeem me. He bought me with his own blood. And the Bible said he loved me until the end. Not only that, he rose from the grave justifying me in his resurrection. And because he lives, I live. And not only that, he prayed the Father that the Father would send me another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, uh, who he said would abide with us forever. Amen. Thanks be to God. If you want to call all of that nothing, then thanks for nothing. He sure has been good to me. Amen. Amen. He said, you put a hedge about it. Will a man serve God for naught? Uh, pull the hedge down. I'll Take everything he's got. And when he's left with nothing, he'll curse you to your face. He's only serving you because you blessed him with a lot of stuff. And the Lord said, you can have his stuff. I know what's in it. He'll love me if he don't have a dime to his name. That boy loves me. He's true. And God's allowing Job's faith to be tested so that when nothing but faith remains, the whole world, is going to know what's in it. His children are gone. His house is gone. His herds are gone. His cattle's gone. Everything he owns is gone, and he's left with nothing. He shaved his head and put on sackcloth and ash. He's mourning over his children, and he said, The Lord give. The Lord is given, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When he thought that Job would curse him, he blessed him. You see, sometimes worship confuses the enemy. When he thinks you're going to fail the test, and all of a sudden, your faith remains strong in God, and you worship and praise God, it confounds the enemy. He don't understand how you could do that. And he said, well, skin for skin, will a man give all that he's got? in exchange for his own personal well-being. He, he, he didn't curse you when you touched his stuff, but he loves himself more than he loves you. If you let me touch his flesh and bone, I'll get him to curse you. He said, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. 
because his life belongs to me. You see, God is the giver of life, and only he can take life. Satan don't have that power. You need to take solace in that this morning. A man's immortal until God's finished with him. If, if Satan could have killed you, you'd have been dead a long time ago. If Satan could have killed the church, the church would have been out of business a long time ago. And so he smote Job with a, a, a loathsome disease and boils from his scalp all the way to the sole of his foot. He took broken pottery and scraped the boils. And the Bible said that skin worms were, were eating his flesh in those boils. And his wife came to him and said, Why, how do you retain any integrity? We don't have nothing. Everything we got is gone, and now you don't even have good health. Why don't you curse God and die? I wonder where that thought came from. That was Satan's plot the whole while. It was the enemy nudged her to say that to him. You're his wife. You've got influence over him. You've got his ear. You've got his heart. Go ahead and tell him. It's all right to curse God and die. Honey, why don't you just curse God and die? He looked at her and said, you talk like a foolish woman. The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. What He wasn't calling her a fool. He just said, you're talking to me like somebody that don't know who God is. He said, have we received good at God's hand and shall not we receive evil also? The Bible said in all these things, uh, Job never uh, uh, charged God foolishly with his mouth nor sinned against God with his lips. He blessed the Lord. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. And though the skin worms are devouring this flesh, uh, in this flesh I'm going to seek God. Hallelujah to God. He said, God's going to raise me up. Whether it be now or in the resurrection, I'll stand before him. I ain't going to curse the one who I know lives. Amen. He wouldn't curse God. You want to know what was under test? That God took no pleasure in watching Satan pummel him, beat him, and sift him like wheat. God took no pleasure in the suffering of Job. What God did take pleasure in is that Job's faith did not fail. Hallelujah! Job's faith did not fail. Don't you know Jesus is praying for us? that Jesus was praying for Job. Because my Bible reads Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. How did Job hold up uh, under all of that uh, testing and trial and, uh, and, and what seemed to be sore punishment uh, when it wasn't punishment at all? God wasn't punishing Job. God was allowing Job to be tested. You don't know if you've got faith until your faith is put to the test. In the end, God blessed Job with twice as much as he ever had. That's a picture of the believer. If you'll stand, 
If your faith won't fail in Christ, our ending's going to be a whole lot better than our beginning. <laughs> and the best is yet to come. Satan had to ask God to pull a hedge of protection down so that he could touch him. Then he had to come back and ask God's permission to touch his body. Satan is not allowed to attack us any time he wants to. Just any time he gets good and ready, but rather only as God allows him to. I wouldn't allow you to put more on one of my children than I thought they could handle. I wouldn't. I'd be a cruel dad or a cruel poppy if I allowed you to put something on one of my children or grandchildren that they couldn't handle. If you told me you were going to give Harper, my eight-year-old granddaughter, a driving test out on Highway 59. I tell you, no, you're not. She's not ready to be tested in that manner yet. Testing is necessary to know where we are making progress, where we need to get better, where we need to grow. Testing is necessary but a kindergartner isn't ready to take an algebra test. God's not going to allow the devil to test us in order to kill us. <laughs> On the other hand, when all hell seems to be against you, just know that Jesus has given you the power to stand against him. And that he sees what Satan is doing and he is praying for you. And if he won't allow you to be tested above that that you're able to bear, the Lord understands. You may think little of yourself. You may have a small evaluation of yourself, but you're further along than what you think you are. And the Lord is putting trust in you. I know that what I've put in you, what I've done in you, will enable you to stand. Thanks be to God. Listen, Christ puts incredible trust in us when he allows us to be tested. He won't stunt or hinder our growth and develop, development by never allowing us to be tested. If you don't ever allow your kids to ever walk out of the house because they could be killed by any number of things, Y'all remember what 2020 felt like, don't you? What are you talking about? When they wouldn't let us go to work. They wouldn't let us go to church. They wouldn't let us go to the grocery store. They wouldn't let us go to the restaurant. They told you you had to isolate. You had to be shut up and confined in the house. Man, I felt like Y'all are fixing to have to arrest me. This is, this is my body. If I want to brave it out there, if I want to catch COVID by taking a chance of walking outside, that ought to be my choice, not yours. <laughs> Y'all listening up there in Washington, D.C.? Of course they're not. But I remember what that felt like. 
You know, God's not going to just shut you in and never allow you to be exposed to anything. Well, they might fail. Well, they might. But how are they ever going to develop? How's their faith ever going to grow if it's not put to the test? I'm never going to let my children drive. They're 30 years old, mom and dad still driving them to the grocery store. Why ain't you got your license? Well, mom and dad don't want me to drive. They think I might get in a wreck. Well, you might. But you need to, you need to learn. You need to expand. Broaden your life. You need to grow. You think, what could that individual do if they were allowed to grow? Allowed to fully develop? Never leave the house? You're going to be socially awkward. You don't know how to carry on a conversation. You don't know how to interact with other people. <laughs> what good can you be with under God if you don't ever interact with other people? Because Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and poured out his spirit. Why? To save people. Right. What's ministry for? To reach people. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm, I, I am not an outgoing person. I need you to understand that. I'm, I, I, I would do good in isolation. I, t I joke, jokingly, all the time. I say, God, why'd you call me to preach? I don't even like people. <laughs> people get on my nerves. People bother me. Why? Because people do dumb things. <laughs> y'all act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You wouldn't have a problem on in the world, most of you, if it wasn't for dealing with people. But that's who God has called us to reach. I, I told him, man, I'd, make, I'd have made a good mountain man. Just had me a log cabin up in, up in the mountain somewhere and never run across a person but maybe once or twice a year. I'd have made a good mountain man. Just now. But God called me to preach. What good would you be to the kingdom of God if you never were around people? So what does God do? He just puts you right in the middle of a bunch of people. I wanted to pastor a church way out in the sticks, an old country church somewhere in the middle of nowhere because I'm a country boy. And that's my comfort zone. Where did God put me? Right down on the coastline. Where it take you 30 minutes to drive to Foley and another 30 minutes to get back because it's so crammed full of people. But God knew when he wanted to plant a church right here, God knew, I need to put you somewhere It's going to be swarming with people. Because I want to reach those people. God's not going to allow our spiritual growth to be stunted hindered by never allowing our faith to be tested. Oh, talk in front of people. Are you kidding me? I don't want to talk in front of no people. I took a speech class in college as an elective and I thought, what have I done? What have I done? I've got to stand up in front of people and talk. Have you heard me talk? I don't talk good. 
I talked slow. I talked country. I was not made to be a speaker. <laughs> I read another man in the Bible. Moses was slow of speech. He didn't like to talk. But God said, I'll get in your mouth. How are you ever going to grow? How's God going to be God in you if he can't develop you in the areas of the, that you're weak in? He won't allow that to be stunted in you. He's going to throw you into the deep end of the pool and say, you can swim. You don't think you can, but you can. That's how I got taught how to swim. It's better to know now than to think you're prepared and then fail to find it. You say, what do you mean? These tests all along the way throughout a semester, these tests or a pop quiz, it'd be better for you to know right now you ain't ready for the final. You don't know as much as you think you know. You need to learn some more. You need to grow some more. There are no repeats to this life. You only get one shot at this. It's heaven or hell. You can't afford to fail. You can't afford to be lost. Tests and trials must come. But I got good news for you. If you failed or fallen, Christ is praying for you. <laughs> and when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Man, I hated algebra. Hated it with a passion. When we, I passed that. I only took what courses I needed to, to take when I was in high school. I looked at what the SEC requirements were for a scholarship. And I took any class that was required. I knew what the grade, grade point average had to be. And that's all I shot for. I, I want just enough to be able to get in to have a scholarship, to play ball, and to get, I took, after algebra, I had to take geometry. I remember we was doing these fa factoring equations. Man, I was dumb as a rock where factoring was concerned. I could, I did not get it at all. I told the teacher, I, I, I don't understand, this is Chinese to me. I don't get this. What, why do I need to know this? This don't even make sense. I'll never use this in my life. But oh yeah, you'll need all of this. You do anything in engineering, so you're gonna need a, you're gonna put all this in the prize. <laughs> you'll be no engineer, I'm gonna be a baseball player. I don't need a factor to learn to throw a ball or a strike. I didn't. She gave me all kind of stuff. I couldn't figure it out. There's a boy, Jesse Thomas, in my class. Man, he was straight A's. He was gifted. He graduated with honors. He was near, near to be in our valedictorian. I, Jesse's, you know, dad was an umpire in baseball. Me and Jesse knew each other. We were friends. I said, Jesse, man, I, I, I'm going to flunk this thing. Fail it bad. I, I cannot. The whole test is going to be on factor. He had like 35 or 40 problems in all factor. I said, I, I don't know that I can get one of them right. He's trying with that brain of his, that intellect he had to teach me factor and we, we worked two or three days. I stayed up all night one night with him. We were studying, studying, studying. I, I, I had a 
50-50 confidence. I, I understand a little bit about it now. I'm, I'm doing problems that Jesse worked out for me. We take the test the next day. I turned it in. I'm nervous as a cat. Oh, I wondered I failed. I, I might have got every one of them wrong, thinking I got them right and got it wrong. Just said, how do you think you did? I said, I don't know, man. I'm nervous. I said, I think I got them right, but I don't know if factor you could work the problem out and do something wrong, it'd all be wrong. I said, I think I got them right, but I don't know. Next day, teacher's coming back. She said, I got y'all's test graded. She's walking by, putting them out on the desk, and she stopped and looked at me and smiled. She said, I see somebody was studying. I slid it down on my desk, and I, I was like, a hundred. A hundred. Jesse was sitting over. He said, "How'd you do?" Jesse got a ninety-six. He said, "I'm done teaching you." <laughs> Mercy. You don't know what's in you until you put it to the test. <laughs> Hallelujah. Third, Jesus is praying for us today, right now. Jesus is on the throne, not twiddling his thumb. Not admiring the beauty of heaven. Jesus is praying for you. Hebrews 7 and 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them. To the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Satan's objective in every test and trial. Is for your faith to fail. But Christ's objective is that you might stand strong in your faith. Here's why God allows the sifting right here. Ephesians 6 and 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel yeah. of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith... Ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. How are we going to stand? Number one, he's praying for you that you'll be able to stand, that your faith won't fail. And having done all, to stand. You need to pray. <laughs> you need to pray. And ask God to gird you. Spiritually. To help give you the strength to stand. Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Sounds like he was being sifted too, don't it? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life yeah. nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who do you pray for the most? The one you love the most. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He is always praying for us. John 17, verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. The Lord didn't take us out of the world so that we could never be tried. He just said, you keep them. Right in the midst of all that evil. You may feel as though your shield of faith is heavy with the fiery darts of the enemy. If so, good. You're winning. What are you talking about, Brother Eddie? My shield of faith's full of fiery darts. I'm under attack here. I read this in commentary while studying for this. I thought it was awesome. When the Star Spangled Banner was written, the author had seen our flag flying through the battlefield. He penned these words. The rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. The fact that the war, the fight, the battle is raging is proof we're still in the fight. We're not defeated. If somebody surrenders, if the war's over, the bombs are going to cease. The fiery darts are going to cease. The battle's going to be over. But the fact that Satan is still warring against you, those fiery darts are still coming your way, lets you know your faith hasn't failed. fact that he's still fighting us means that we're still standing. And our faith hasn't failed us yet. Do you know somebody that's being sifted right now? Their faith is being put to the test. Pray for them. Here's where we fail so often as Christians. When somebody's being sifted, when their faith is being put to the test, and the enemy's trying to destroy them, We help the devil out. We put our foot on their neck and see if we can hold them under till the bubble stop coming up. We talk about them. We criticize them. We put them down. We make them feel awful. You want to know what Christ is doing? He's praying for them. That their faith won't fail. And you know what you're supposed to be doing? You should be praying for them. Pray one gift for another. Bear ye one another's burden, and in so doing fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, God, don't let them fail. Don't let their faith fail. If they've fallen, pick them up again. 
He which are spiritual restore such a one in the faith. Considering your own self, lest you also be tempted. Oh, God. You see somebody being sifted and their faith being put to the test? Don't help Satan kill them. Pray for them. Then last, curse if you'll help me, I'm finished. After the sifting, Jesus told Peter, you're going to be able to strengthen your brethren. Until you've learned you can stand, how can you really instruct others? Peter was going to be a leader of the faith. He was going to be the apostle that stepped out of the upper room full of the Holy Ghost was going to see the first 3,000 souls born again through faith in Jesus Christ. He was going to preach the first message, Pentecostal message on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 souls would be saved. He said, I prayed for you. You're going to deny me. Before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. He said, Lord, I'll go to jail. I'll even die, but I'll never deny you. He said, before that cock crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. Right. He said, Satan has desired to have you. He's going to sift you, but I pray for you that your faith won't fail. And when you are converted, Strengthen the brethren. How can we really know how to stand unless we've been tested? When learning to stand, we all fall. Show me a baby that pulls up and stands that ain't going to fall. There ain't nobody in this house that ain't fell in some capacity. You ain't passed every test. You ain't done it right every time. <laughs> Woo! I might not have said it, but man, my attitude sure stunk. And I had to go back and say to the Lord, I failed that one, Lord. I need you to help my attitude. We haven't passed every test. We don't know how to stand, actually, until we've fallen. After we fall, we learn how to lean. Remember that old song, Learning to Lean? Learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus. I can't stand without him. After we fall, we learn how to lean until we know that we're strong enough to stand. I can empathize with somebody going through a fiery trial. I can empathize with someone who feels like their faith is failing this morning. Someone who doesn't understand why they're going through what they're going through. Someone who thinks they're at the end of their rope spiritually. How can you understand that? Because I've been there. I felt that way. And I can tell you, he won't fail you. I can tell you personally, he won't leave you at your weakest moment. I can tell you personally, if you fall, he will help you back up. And 
come to learn is love is greater than your fault or your failure. His love and His strength and His power and His mercy and His grace is greater than anything Satan is going to throw your way. And He won't never leave you and He won't never forsake you. And He won't fail you. God can't fail. God can't lose. And if you will allow Him to keep you, you will be kept. Hallelujah. I said, Brother Eddie, I I fail. Oh, you mean like Peter did? You mean like Peter did? He denied our Lord three times. Even to the point the Bible said he cursed. I'm telling you, I don't know him. And he cursed. The Bible said he went out and wept bitterly. When the Lord rose from the, from the grave, he said, go and tell my disciples and Peter too, that I go before them into Galilee and there they will see me. He wanted Peter to know, I heard you when you denied me, but I also heard you when you went out and wept bitterly and asked me to forgive you. And I still want you to come and see me in Galilee. I still got a calling on your life. And I still plan to use you in a mighty way. Your faith won't fail because I prayed for you. I ain't preaching to perfect people this morning. You might feel like, feel as though you failed God somehow, some way in one of these tests or in one of these trials. But I need you to understand that Jesus knows who you are. He knows where you're at. He knows your weaknesses and he understands that Satan desires to have you, that he can sift you. But he wants you to understand, I'm praying for you, that your faith won't fail and that you won't stop here, that you won't quit, that you won't give up, and that you won't be destroyed. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You'll let him. He'll help you to finish strong. Many of you meet me in this altar this morning and say, Brother, this is my prayer. Is that I'll finish strong. Is that I'll stand, having done all to stand, that I'll stand there for. That I'll put on the whole armor of God. That I can stand against all the wiles of the devil. I want to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus is praying for you this morning that your faith won't fail. Hallelujah.